Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us in the great wide world brought together by the internet here on a Sunday afternoon in Georgia. It's the last three guys to do a podcast, John Morgan with Daniel Bolton and Leon Brown. Leon will join us momentarily. He's finishing up his uh, workout routine, so he's going home. The reason why we're going to get started without him is because our special guest is on the line. He's ready to go. Of course, that is head coach Charmin White of Pace Academy and the U.S under 16 men's basketball coach for FIBA, won another title over the summer, and he won another title with Pace Academy, his 10th over the la- over uh, March. So he's got everything for the hands. He's working on the feet right now, and we're going to be talking with him about all of that, coaching the USA um, team and Georgia and, and all that. So Coach White, thank you so much for joining us here, um, talking to Daniel and me. We really appreciate having you on. Thank you guys for having me, and thank you guys for what you do for, for this high school sports in general. I think it's big, and I think uh, it's something that should be echoed as much as possible. You guys make sure you do a great job of it. Well, thank you, Coach. We really appreciate that. Uh, you really have Pace Academy in a, a, a very national footing. I mean, you take the you take the squad everywhere, flying on the hoop, flying to the hoop. Uh, the tournament in London, England last week or last year, you really have put pace on a national scale. Can you tell us um, how all that started? I mean, well, uh, you know, my team's at Miller Grove. We were no stranger to the national, ske- national schedule or the national stage. And, uh, you know, when I got to pace, you know, I wanted pace to have some of the same amenities. I wanted them to be, be able to compete nationally and be able to put themselves in a position where we can make our program known just not not just locally and not just statewide but around the country. And so, you know, uh, you know, once we got it started, got it rolling, you know, especially that uh that third year, you know, we had won a state championship the year prior, but that third year when Matthew Cleveland, Cole Milton, Madison Bird, Josh Middleberg, Josh Reed, all those guys, um, we were able to make, you know, some real um, uh, footprints across the country. Uh, and so we ended up in playing in Geico big for Pace Academy, but it also was a big part of the program, you know, to let people know we were there and we were uh, going to make our presence felt, you know, around the country. So uh, that's kind of, you know, it started with, you know, again, a goal and a dream. And you just, you know, you keep pushing it. And if you keep pushing, you're going to get closer to your goal. And that's kind of what we, we kind of took on. Coach, uh, you mentioned Miller Grove. Um, after you left Miller Grove, you served as a college coach, uh, an assistant coach under Ron Hunter for a couple of years at Georgia State before you went to Pace Academy. What did Coach Hunter teach you about the coaching game and what led you to come back to Pace Academy? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Daniel was playing golf yesterday. He's in town. He was playing golf yesterday. We had a chance to catch up quite a bit. I'll try to get one more round in before he had to go back. But, uh, you know, Coach Hunter talked about a lot of things. I mean, just how you prep for a game on that level and, the amount of detail that go into, you know, every single game, every single practice. Um, you know, I thought I was doing a, a heck of a job as far as preparation and stuff, you know, prior to that when I was in Miller Grove. But uh, that was that was on a whole different level. And so when I came back to the high school level, you know, I'm looking at it through totally different lenses. Uh, so he, he, he gave me that. He also gave me just some of the real stuff, you know, like how you, you know, Something you got to be concerned with, and there's something you just don't be so as concerned with because it'll take away from the big picture. And so, kind of learned that from him as well too, because 
real type of guy. He's so easy. A lot of working for him. And uh, probably the most important moment in Georgia State basketball, of course, is when RJ hit that three at the buzzer in the NCAA tournament to advance. Were you were you with them on that for that particular game, or was that before after you got there? No, I wasn't there yet. That okay. was in uh, 2015. Okay. Uh, and I joined them in 2016. Okay. So, yeah, yeah so it's just a little bit after that. Okay. I, I remember that moment. I, I was at Miller Grove. I do remember that moment. And I remember, uh, you know, as soon as I got there, you know, again, like RJ was still coming around working on you, you know, he got drafted by the Celtics. And so, me and him got, we caught up a lot. Hunter always joked around saying that uh, he wanted to bring RJ to Miller Grove, but Mom uh, <laughs> wanted to stay in Indiana and all that stuff. And I said, oh, yeah, right. So, just imagine if he would have made that trek to uh, Miller Grove. Just imagine how good we would have really been then. All right, Daniel, uh, it's your turn to ask some questions. All right. Coach, uh, again, thanks for having, thanks for joining us on the show, man. Um, I remember joining Pace Academy. What was this, John? Of what, 2021? Well, this is our, we're starting our third season. And you were, you were, so I'm going to say October of 2021 for you. Yeah. 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 For me. And this is not a question, it's really more so of a comment. But I, I just remember the atmosphere and just after the fact of me joining and like some of the players, the parents, especially on the women's team, some of the players' parents coming up to me and John and saying, hey, man, we love what you guys do for Pace Academy. We love how you guys are uh, giving us this platform and this format. And I know that, you know, even without you, we don't do this, you know, so I do want to personally say thank you um, very much for allowing John and I to have that platform. Um, Penn State, the 10 State Championship, Coach, does it, does each one mean, I know each one means something to you, but does each one feel a bit better than the other, or does it feel the same? How do you... <laughs> How does that go along? That's a lot of state championships, man. I mean, it's like there's a ton of, of high school basketball here in Georgia. Uh, that's a tough question, man, because each yeah. one, they're special. They're all special in their own way. I mean, if you take this year's, this past year's uh, state championship, this team really wasn't expected to do it. And, you know, we lost Bryson Tuller, of course. Most people thought we were pretty much done in the water. Yeah. These guys just rallied behind themselves, and, you know, they just kept pushing. And you know, before you know it, we were, you know, where we were, where we would have been if we would have had Bryson, so to speak. And so um, it was it was really a rewarding position. But, you know, every year, you know, I can go back to the year 2016 where Al Tariq senior year. That was a special year. We went to Dix, and we were the only high school team, only public high school team that ever win a game in that tournament. And so um, – you know, beat Finley Prep, and we lost to Oak Hill by, you know, two uh, by one, and we could have had a chance to play for a national championship. So every year is, is a little different, a little special, you know, and so I don't really put one or the other. Uh, I, my players probably wouldn't let me do that anyway, and I, I wouldn't want to put, you know, that kind of undue uh, pressure on myself like that. John and I have always said it that last year watching you guys, it was more of a redemption year because it was a lot of guys that were um, left back from 
the team that had Josh Reed on that team. Um, of course, you got some heavy favorites and were out and out, but came back the following year and just ran away with that state title. But John and I were in Fort Valley calling your state semifinals, and we had to kind of get it out of our system. Yeah, we had to we we had to get the uh, cheering out. We had to be neutral. We couldn't afford to lean one way or the other. We apologize for that. Although we did try to we did try to get to the championship. We tried we did try to get down to Macon, but uh, folks over at NHS and GPB said no, no, no to that. So uh, we'll try again if, if if the need arises. But coach, speaking about well, um, Leon is here. Leon, can you hear me? All right, Leon. I got you. All right, do you have a question for Coach White? Yes, sir. All right, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, for right now, I'm just listening. Um, how, how, how you doing, Coach Charming? Everything good? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Oh, man, it's good. You know, I just got to work it out myself, as you can probably see. You know? <laughs> Get it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to stay relevant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so, Coach, um, getting back to that team, you lose Bryson Tiller, you lose Josh Reed. But how, when did you know that Eric Chatfield and Kyle Green, they would they would be the players that kind of step up for you? post players, big guys, we win with guards, um, and I say that at, at every level, we win with guards, um, and we knew those two guys, were gonna, they were going to come back more hungry than, than they were after the way we lost um, in that you know, second round game to Butler, and they, they, they worked the whole summer, and they have such a great synergy and connectivity between the two, it makes it, you know, for me as a coach to have basically two lead guards out there, you know, playing together, it makes it a lot easier for me to be able to focus in on some other things because they they have full command of what we're doing. You know, they understand what I want done. I don't have to sit there and browbeat them over with it. They they get it, and so it's gonna be a. I mean, you know, this is KJ's senior year, but you know, I get to coach that group that, 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 that tandem one more year. They remind me a lot of some tandems I had before with two lead guards. Algerie Gilbert and Aaron Johnson. You know, Algerie Gilbert and Keith Pinkney. Uh, so I've had that that, that two headed monster before. And, you know, this this group right, these two guys right here, they, they really do uh, make make life a little bit easier. And I can go to sleep at night knowing that I got those two guys in the backcourt. How important is the summer league, uh, the summer season, to to you and your preparation for the for the uh, winter campaign? Again, I'm sorry. Uh, you know how there's a lot of summer leagues going on. There's one that's right. they we, we I've done a couple of things over at the Lake Point Complex. Um, how important right. is that for your uh, for your preparation for the next season? Uh, it's, 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 it's really important, and it's more important, I would say, for the camaraderie, the guys getting to know each other, playing with each other, the new guys being able to hear my voice and hear the assistant coach's voice and know what that sounds like and know. But we really don't keep up with wins and losses, so to speak. Yeah, we want to go out and compete. We want to win because we don't do those things. You know, it, you know, it, it it doesn't you know make us feel that much better. But the key to the whole thing is the guys get better as a group, as a unit. You know, and you know, new guys now they know what they expect coming into August and, and September and, and getting ready for the season, and so it serves a great purpose. And then you know. With the live peers, our guys get to play in front of college coaches. That's always, you know, a, a bonus and a plus for them because 
they get to be seen with their high school teams and not their necessarily their travel teams. And they it's a different style of basketball and it's kind of evaluated a little bit differently than you know it would be if it was uh, you know summer or travel basketball. Uh, Daniel Leon. Yeah, I got one. Okay. No, go ahead. Leon. You got it. So, Pro Sarm. You know, you're you're arguably one of one of the most successful coaches that's ever coached. Arguably, you are definitely in the conversation. What's what's the key to that? Is it what you say? It's all about recognizing patterns in, in opposing teams. Like you have a gift for that, or is it a combination of that plus your personnel. I think that's a combination of a lot of stuff. You can throw luck in there too, and you can throw a lot of other things in there. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's about players to begin with, and then, you know, you got to have an idea of what you want to do and what the other team might want to do. And so it's a little bit of both uh, when you talk about that particular point. But then you got to be able to uh, the bill of goods. You got to sell the kids to make sure they understand it. You know, so what they're doing is something that's they have to extend beyond themselves. You know, anytime you want to be successful in anything, you got to think outside of yourself as, a, as you know, as individuals when you're working together with a group. And so, you know, when you set that as a culture, as a who you are and what you're about, I think that that helps in consistency. They get, you know, you want to be able to be consistent with the kids and the way you, uh, you know, run the program and you want to be consistent with them the way you coach them and, and and you gotta love them. I would say you can, you can coach them as hard as you love them. If you love them hard, you can coach them hard. And so I think all of those things kind of tie into it. So I don't think it's one thing over another. You know, we've had great players and not won. You know, like they, they this year they just talked about the year twenty two. You you could not have told me uh, we were going to lose in the second round. That's not nothing against the team we lost to. But I just to see it, not after the region tournament. We had played Columbia. We had, you know, did a great job. Them won the region championship. You just couldn't have told me you were going to go out in the second round. But that just goes to show you, uh, as talented as you may be, you know, it's any given day. And so that's why you got to keep every day. You don't take any of that stuff for granted. Clearly, uh, understand. What has, despite all your success on the high school level? What keeps you grounded on the high school level? Like, you ever thought about maybe, you know, coaching some professional? Maybe, because I know you've done a little bit of time at Georgia State, you know, but. I mean, you know, I just, uh, the reason why I'm in high school is because, you know, it's uh, part of, I think it's, this is a ministry for me. You know what I mean? Like, this is not uh, something that I look at as a job. You know, I come to life every day. I, I get to get a chance to try to take a young man and make him into a man. And, you know, that goes along with it. And, and you know, college is great. And it, it, was, it was great for me, but it's more of a business. And I did at that time, I, I just, I wasn't ready to, you know, relinquish, you know, my gifts and all that to the business. I was ready to do more so. I just wanted to continue to develop it and get guys ready for that next point in their life. Now, I can't say if an opportunity comes by, I, I, I wouldn't be intrigued, I wouldn't be, you know, uh, interested or what have you, but, you know, it has to be something that really, really makes me, you know, like they say, make that baby jump inside of you. And, uh, you know, if it isn't that, then, you know, I, I'm very, very good with, you know, where I am. I'm not, I'm not, I'm chasing greatness. I'm not chasing dollars. You know, I feel like if I chase greatness, the dollars will chase me. 
speak. I understand it sounds, you know, I grew up an outcast fan myself, you know what I'm saying? And um, I think that reminds me of something Andre 3000 said. He said, um, he made a vow to himself if it's just for the wealth, I'll stop. Yeah. Speaking with, speaking with Pace Academy head coach Sharman White here in the last three guys do a podcast. Appreciate Coach sitting down with us. Uh, Daniel, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. Just wanted to reset things. Uh, back to your questions. <laughs> so, Coach, we, we know you travel, right? We know you Here travel it comes. So, John and I was wondering, uh, where, will we be, where will we be sitting? Who will we be sitting next to? on the flight to wherever you're going this year. And, of course, that is the Iohane Invitational in Honolulu uh, this year over over yeah. over Christmas break. Of course, I mentioned that last year it was London, England, at the and then, uh, of course, the Flying to the Hoop Tournament in Dayton, Ohio. I mean, I didn't want to say Honolulu. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with, are with the people in Maui and Lahaina and Kanapali, we're dealing with the wildfire situation out there. Um, it, as part of it, it destroyed the building that housed the Maui Invitational. So that is one of the things that wow. has been ruined, uh, destroyed by the wildfires out there. So um, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I uh, just wanted to just wanted to kind of set that up. <laughs> yeah. Where Where's our tickets, man? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's taking his wife. I'm taking my mom. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've known him. Yeah, we've known him. Well, that's right. There was the trip to Phoenix. I remember. I remember the trip to Phoenix you had, and you came back to me, and you came back to me after you got back, and you said, "John, we had an extra ticket." <laughs> that's why they need to talk to Jay. Well, we'll do that, uh, Coach. What? Coach, uh, what you also coached the FIBA the under sixteen USA squad for the FIBA championships. Um, first of all, when how how do you balance that job and your Pace Academy job? Does as soon as Pace is over with the uh, basketball season, do you switch gears and figure out who you have on that squad? I mean, how, how does all that work? Uh, it's a, it's a year round thing, kind of. You know, and I kind of balance too. Um, you know, definitely Pace gets. Are, you know, the majority of my attention, but, you know, we're always, you know, having Zooms and meetings and, and you know, on a group chat about USA basketball and certain kids. We need to be paying attention to anybody who sees somebody new. We might need to invite to camp. Um, you know, we're always, you know, working. Like, we have mini camps. We got a mini camp in October. We have a mini camp in the Final Four. And those are a chance for us to work with kids and, and, and see who we might want to invite back to training camp where we have a training camp that's usually in May or June, depending on the event, whether it's U16 or U17. This upcoming year, it'll be U17, which is the World Cup. And we, we played it last year, um, and then we played the U16 this year, so it alternates U16 and U17 every year. And so this is the World Cup, which means, you know, you got 16 in the country, in the world. Coach's connection is Coach's connection is freezing up a little bit. Hopefully, we can get that restored here on our Zoom call. Uh, oh, am I still on? Yeah, you're still on. Your 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 connection just your connection just froze. Okay, but yeah, I was just saying, you know, uh, you know, U seventeen World Cup is a big deal, and so we we really digging in. You know, that's 
2017 ever. And so, you know, with US and the world is catching up. We do, we know that. We understand that. But we feel like we still have the the advantage and we're gonna to continue to try to, you know, keep building it and, and, and making USA basketball the brand that it is and keep evolving. Um, see now that the men's national team is playing in the World Cup and that's a pretty good group they have. Um, so we feel good about it. So we, you know, we want to keep that thing going. Who really stood out in this year's tournament for you? Uh, you mean the U16? Yes. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was a lot of guys. This this was by far the most talented team I've ever coached at USA Basketball. You had Cameron Boozer, you had Caden Boozer, you had uh, AJ DeBonza, you had Tyron Stokes, and Cole Peters, and Darren Peters. I mean, it was really a, a phenomenal team, and they were phenomenal kids. I mean, they worked, and they they, they made it to where this was not going to be in question, not from game one to the final game. And even in the gold medal game, we played Canada, and Canada was undefeated as well when we got to the gold medal game. And, you know, we you know we, we prepared, and we were like, okay, we might be in for a dog fight here. And then we – it wasn't even – they, they got off. They got out on a five and zip, and before you know it, it was twenty-seven and five. And before you know it, it was a seventy-eight point gold medal win. Wow! Wow! That's unbelievable. That's that's a testament to both the quality of the basketball, quality of your coaching, and the quality of the kids. I mean, it must be nice to have that in a gold medal game. You know, you can pretty much s- stop coaching and just sit back and relax and just take it all in. Yeah, it's a little different, man. You know, but we've been doing that a long time. You don't mind. Uh, you know, but sometimes you do want to just be able to say, I just want to sit back and just enjoy this. And I got a chance to kind of really enjoy it. But we know that the World Cup's coming up, and that's a different animal. Uh, you know, a whole plethora of great teams, Spain, France, you know, and Canada be back. You know, so it'll, it'll be everything um, and that. Okay. Uh, Coach, uh, what about this year? You're going, you got a new season. You met, uh, a lot of the kids on your squad are still going to be hanging around for this year. Uh, do you feel like there's a big target on your back going for Pace Academy uh, going, coming well, into the 20 through 24 season? Well, what, what, we, what we've been able to do with this program, I, I think we've been, we've been a target regardless of what, whatever the case might be. Even when we didn't win in 22, we felt like we had a target on our back last year, past year. So, um, we, we, I make sure the kids understand that fully. Um, that every night is somebody state championship games when they play us, and I try to make sure they understand that. And that means you don't take anyone for granted. And that means you know, uh, you have to come out. You know, you got to come out and hit, hit first. You know, you can't allow other teams to be able to come in and dictate what they want to do. And the good part about this group we got coming back, we got six of our seven, uh, six of our top seven back, four starters, and two of those other guys that did, you know, that have not been that four starters back, they started games. So, you know, we got a wealth of experience with our first six. Our bench is not as deep as we, you know, we've had in years, but we're going to develop those guys and make sure they're ready to contribute and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to go, you know, pretty deep into our bench like we have, like we've been able to in the past. And, um, you know, looking forward to it, man. Just hopefully, you know, we can stay healthy and, you know, everybody, they're going to be locked in. They, you know, they got their ring about a, about a month ago. And, you know, that's a whole different type of motivation when they see that. Because they, you know, 
they want another one. I tell them they got three rules of the ring. Don't drop it, don't lose it, and you got to want to go get another one. And so, uh, that you know, that third one really resonates with them because they want to go get another one. This is why he's the best. And um, also, how do you um, – I remember last year's team, you shared with Coach Bach, Davis Rice. You shared with him, Kendall Evans. You shared Terrence Keel. How does – how's your relationship with Coach Bach so that you can actually, you know sh- – when I say share players, I mean – they weren't available for the first couple of your games. They had to wait till football was done. So how how, how does that relationship uh, work? That's uh, great. I mean, you know, we're all we're all picked academy. So we want to make sure we're doing what's best for patients. You know, I've been I've been in situations where I've had guys that play football and they come out and play football field, play basketball. Stephen Hill, who played for us at Miller Grove, you know, he was a big time wide receiver and a Florida Tech and being drafted by the Jets. Uh, but he was a phenomenal basketball player. We had just had to wait until he got done. You know, that's part of it. You know, you, especially in a small school like us, you know, you got to be willing to share athletes and, and what have you. We just try to make sure we got a good, solid core. And if we do got to go to battle a few games without some of the guys that come off the field, so be it. You know, but uh, you know that's part of it, man. I mean, we we like the kids to play multiple sports because you know they just sometimes they just focus on one sport, man, it wears them out in that particular area. They play a different sport. Sometimes they can use different muscles and different things that help them become the better overall athlete. And so, uh, no, we're going to make it happen, man. And also last season, uh, you didn't get that one seed coming into the state tournament. I believe you got the two seed um, yeah. just because the way the way the whole tournament worked. I think Lovett played an incredible game in the semifinals to knock you guys out. I remember listening to a little bit of that as Chad Wabrick was trying to do play, was doing play-by-play on it a little bit. Um, how much was that of a, of a motivation? And how and how did that make you adjust things? Uh, you know, we, we, we came into that game, and I you know I, I take the blame for that game. I tell my guys and tell everybody, I take the blame for that game because we, we had pretty much handled Lovett pretty easily over the last, you know. They, they haven't beaten us since uh, 2000. They ended up beating us since 2018, so we, we hadn't lost them in a while, and I think I came in with a mindset of trying to do some things, you know, I call it being cute, uh, you know, trying to run some different things, trying to try a different strategy with Christian and Anderson to see what we could do, you know, and we felt like we had enough, you know, of a, you know, advantage, meaning that we wouldn't be able, you know, we wouldn't hurt ourselves with it, and what happened was we ended up falling down by like 21 or 22 points. But we did come back, and we had a chance to win it, and we missed the layup at the end. Then we even had a chance to win at the buzzer, and we ball rimmed in and rimmed out. But, you know, I told the guys after that game, you know, I said, you know, I, I took the blame for it. Because I, I, the way I want the game plan I planned, not, it wasn't the one. That, so for all you coaches out there, you know, just because you plan a game plan a certain way, that doesn't mean it's going to work out that way. And so you got to be willing to, to eat that up as a coach and not, you know, blame it on the kids and not blame it on, you know, everybody else. Sometimes you just got to eat that up. And, so that's what I did. But I told them in the locker room, I said, look, you know, this is not the trophy we want. <laughs> this is not the one we want. You know, it, it's nice. It's nice to have a number one seed. It's nice to have a region championship banner and all that stuff. But, but at the end of the day, this is not the one we're playing for. And I think they took that on the chin, you know, and made sure that, you know, when we came out, you know, for the state tournament, I mean, we got the first game at home and it was against Miller Grove and we kind of made sure that we weren't going to let no uh, feelings get in the way of us what we got to do. And we, we took care of that. 
And then we had to play four number one seeds basically on the road. And, and, and you know, so we knew that that was going to be part of the task when you, when you go in at the number two seed. But I got, it made our guys lock in and, and just be ready every game. So we really did not have a close game. We played, you know, Westover played us probably the toughest out of any of the games during our tournament. But we felt like we still was in control of that game the whole time. And when we got to the state championship, I, I don't think our guys were going to be denied once they got that far. Uh, Daniel, Leon, you got anything else? No? Yeah, I got one. Okay. I, I got one. So, going into next year after, you know, going through what you just explained, are you going to come with more of a less cute approach to when it comes to the bigger games? You know, because I know, like, someone like yourself, I know, especially with the winning percentage you have, over that many seasons, I mean, you've been winning longer than a lot of your guys in a lot. <laughs> it's, it's just something to think about it. So it's like, going forward, what do you plan on, not, not to give away too much of your game, but what do you plan, like, do you plan on something a little more intense, a little more relaxed? Is there some intangibles that you're going to add? No, I mean, what I spoke of, that was just that one game. Like, you know, we, that's our rival, and we play them twice a year. Sometimes we play them more than that. Based on regions, you know, and that, you know, like I said, that was a, that particular game. I wanted to try something with, with one of their best players, and so, uh, you know, if you look at our percentage and you look at how we win, you can't. We, we pretty much we come out ready to go, so it's not no deal like we're gonna come out a particular way. And you know, I just said, I, I, you know, I just called it being cute because I got away from what we, we should have been doing, and when we did start doing it in that game, that's how we came back and we almost like came back won the game so it's not a way that we prepared differently and trying to you know it's not that it was just that particular game and what, what we were trying to do it you know again I took I took all the blame for that but at the same time I don't I'm not going to run away from you know what happened and what did because it, it set us up you know to win a state championship basically um, but we'll, we'll come out we'll be ready we'll, we'll, we'll come out we're going to be hard-nosed defense team we're going to come out and we're going to get up in your face and you know offensive we're going to move the ball and we're going to push the ball in transition we're going to be you know that that fits our team you know i'm not a guy that says all right we're going to play this way every year just based on the way we play uh i adjust to the team we have and this year we at least we're, i think we're a little bit quicker we're a little bit more personal and we're a little bit more athletic than we were last year actually because of the experience you know and so I'm just looking forward to getting these guys and getting going in a couple weeks. Coach, have they already um, where this year's region semis and championships will be? Who will host it? Uh, right now, it's at Mount Zion, but that's kind of in limbo because their gym, their stanchions are too close to the baseline. And so mm. that, that doesn't change. It's going to come to pace or love it. Well, if it comes to pace, we'll certainly be a uh, – Wall-to-wall coverage, whether or not Coach Wabrick will uh, approve of that. We'll see what happens. We can get Daniel and Leon to do some games. Hopefully it'll happen, but, you know, we'll find out. We can't wait for that first game. Uh, The first game will probably be uh, early to mid-November, waiting for the schedule to get released. Uh, Looking forward to that. And, Coach, uh, I think think we're going to let you go. Appreciate you standing, uh, sitting with us for a half hour to discuss basketball and everything else that's going on at Pace Academy. We will see you on Friday as Pace football opens up the season with the Golden Bears of Holy Innocence. A legend. A legend.
appreciate it, John. Thank you guys for having me. Um, our pleasure. Our pleasure. All right. Take care. You too. Care. You, you too, Coach. Friday. See you Friday. All right. And that was Head Coach Sharman White of Pace Academy joining us here in the last week, guys, to do a podcast. Talking a little basketball, it's not, I mean, again, in the high school level, we are kind of in a lull. You know, we're in the off offseason. Uh, but as coaches mentioned, it is a 12-month gig that he's got between his pace job and his job with uh, the U.S. under-16, under-17 team. And I just really like how, he, how he's able to coach up those probably people that we're going to see. I mean, because you don't really hear much about the under-17, under-16 team, but a lot of those kids you're going to see in the college ranks in about a year or two. And I was hoping he would give us some insight as to who he thought would be some names that we're going to have to look forward to um, in that t- in that time frame. But he's had success wherever he's gone. Uh, again, 10 state championships. We were talking about the shortlist for coaches. I mean, he's right up there with, uh, well, Eddie Martin is probably a legend in Gwinnett County. Uh, that is the only person that I can even think uh, would be in that same conversation as best high school coach in the state of Georgia. Uh, coach Martin, of course, he's <laughs> seems like every time you turn around, he's retiring, and then the next year he gets another job. But I think this retirement is going to stick. Uh, so we wish Coach Martin the best of luck. We wish Coach White the best of luck, and we're glad to have him at Pace Academy. So I'm John Morgo again with Daniel and Leon. Uh, let's talk a little NFL football. We've had games that sort of matter. Uh, interesting. I had to watch, I, I say I had to watch. It was, um, I work over at the uh, CBS, uh, O and O station and NFL network is switched in my building. I got to log the bears and the Titans game. I got to, so I saw that whole game. Uh, Justin Fields had some gaudy numbers. He had two touchdowns. He had, was three for three for 129 yards. But those two touchdown catches were simple screen passes that his receiver, DJ Moore, yes, they got him in exchange for Carolina getting the top pick and getting Bryce Young. That proved to be an electrifying uh, uh, combination. And, of course, Herbert, I think, was the other one. But the same general type of play. Screen pass, the guy gets out in space, runs to the end zone for a touchdown. So it's gaudy numbers for Justin Fields, but not really because they did a lot after the catch. And I think this is why they got DJ Moore for that electric for that electric uh, burst of speed that he has. Well, this is what we have been talking about the entire time. Uh, Leon's having some issues, yeah. uh, but he'll be back on with us. But this is what we were talking about. It was only Justin Fields last year. He was the offense. Anytime you allow a quarterback to line up and, and you do a you call an audible. And he lines up behind the running back who's playing the quarterback, and you toss the ball to him, and he gets about 40 yards. We have a problem. Yes. Because he doesn't have anybody to go to. He doesn't have anybody. And, and so when they jumped up, they made the trade. You knew that they were going to have leverage. They had the number one pick. They knew a quarterback was going to go first. We got our quarterback. We got field. We believed in him. So why do we need to take anybody other than that? You could have went and took Tim Anderson, but Tim Anderson was probably ranked third or fourth on everybody's board. So yeah, you're not going to reach for him. Happen, right? Yeah, if you so, want, you can go back down in the first round and get him. That's yeah, right, right. You could have went back down, or you could have gotten somebody else on the board who you needed in that first round. So why not go up and get DJ Moore? 
sort of explosion on the outside and he got it and, and more you, you saw what he did to us uh, uh against atlanta uh, me and my wife was at that game and we had left the game but we heard it when he caught that touchdown pass uh i believe it was on fourth down and he caught the touchdown pass behind two defenders mm-hmm. but the only problem was that he took his helmet off and caught personal foul so the, the kicker ended up missing the extra point right gave us the victory but needless to say you still got that dynamic that every team needs one they they need a dynamic player on the outside and i think chicago has it and of course like you said john we haven't really seen what he can do yet what phil can do let's see how his offensive line holds up can he stand in the pocket you know and, and make that throw Mm-hmm. He went three for three for 129 yards, and like you said, two screen passes, and it was yards after the catch. But not to discredit anything Fields has done. Fields is doing a great job. But what can he do per se when he needs to stand in that pocket? He needs to make a throw on third and seven. Yeah, it was going to be different in three in four weeks when they host the Packers in that week exactly. one game. In that week one game. Falcons, they had an interesting game. They held the Dolphins to without a touchdown in a 19-6 victory. Uh, Logan Woodside was the third um, third passer. He did Seemingly, he did a lot of good things. But again, I want to see what they can do in that week one game. Desmond Ritter did not play. Um, a lot of the Falcons' number one picks or first-team offense did not play. Uh, we're gonna, they, they are going to need a game. And the next two games are at home uh, to show that first-team offense just for a series. I want to see how they connect with Drake London, with with Kyle Pitts, and I want to see what Bijan can do, Bijan Robinson can do. I agree with you. Uh, here's the thing about what I saw from Atlanta. Me and my father-in-law was actually talking about this. He asked me, like, what did I think? I think that first game was about two things, coaching and depth. Something that, you know, the Falcons have had issues with depth over the last few years or so. So I think that that's something that's probably been solved. They look tremendous on defense. They had five sacks and three interceptions, one before a pick six. Um, we also solved the problems in terms of depth with the quarterback position because now we know we can, we got a third string quarterback. Woodside looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. He only threw for like 146 yards. But however, our offense is based strictly on, we're probably 70-30. We're 70% run, 30% pass. Right. And if we and if that 30%, if we're hitting on the pass, we're going to hit on the pass on play action. And we saw what Woodside can do when he steps back and he's in that play action. He makes a throw. He can make a tremendous throw. So that's a good thing. Uh, the one thing that we had a question about was the kick return because Avery Williams is out for the year with a torn ACL. And D. Alford actually ran back a punt return for a touchdown. So that's probably been solved. Yeah, that's yeah, that's been solved. All right, Leon, uh, have we gotten your issues? Uh, is your issues all straightened away? Can you hear us? Yeah, some, for some reason, my 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 microphone that wasn't muted, but it's all good. Okay. So, back, you know, to the Falcons. Do you believe that the subtraction of Michael of Michael Walker was addition by subtraction, or yeah, you know, yeah, that confused me. I I, I didn't, hmm, I I didn't see that coming. Up, you know, 
saw the reports, I think this morning. Yeah, I saw it this afternoon. Yeah, this is it. And it's not it's not going too well. Yeah. Speaking of people who may be busts, did you guys happen to catch some of the Netflix documentary on Johnny Manziel that came out and the re- revelation that when they check when the Browns check to see how much film he watched on, on an iPad that the team had control over, the answer of film giant Gusek. He watched no film. Oh, so that's what this whole thing is about. Okay, Manziel has a, a documentary on Netflix. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. I have to go back and watch that. Yes, he had it. And the whole the whole the whole thing is pretty much he basically yes, he's talented. We'll give him that. But he was trying to go through he was trying to coast on that talent. And what's the what's the old saying? 
hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard? Oh, yeah, no, that's huge. That's huge. Yes. Whoa. And the other, the other revelation was that his father was preparing to uh, fake a heart attack to get Johnny out of a drug test. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. Oh, I got to see this. I got to see this, man. <laughs> oh, I got to see this. It's on Netflix. It came out already? Yeah, I think it did. I think it came out already. Uh, it's kind of interesting because they don't talk to any teammates. They don't talk to any coaches. They talk to someone, but someone would only consent is if they just talked football and not the behind the back behind the scenes shenanigans. I mean, what I'm what I'm getting about is this guy pretty much verified what we you know the old Dennis Green line, he was what we thought he was. He was Yeah, he was what we thought he was. A a kid who just had talent and was just and just didn't want to work at it. He was a he was a life size video game. Yes. Basically, he would run around and he would just add and he would add live everything that he did in Texas A and M, and that's what got him the highest results. He add lived everything, but when it got down to it, could you really understand the X's and O's? I don't think you could. No, I don't. That's what. That's the whole thing I see. That's that's the that's the impression I'm getting. That you just trying to go off on talent, and he thought that gave him uh, carte blanche, and as we all know, it doesn't. So it's a uh, it's a learning it's a learning model for all you youngsters out there. Put in the work. That's the key to success. Put in the work. Johnny didn't. And the Browns had a very hard time, you know, dealing with big name talent. Well, the yeah, the Johnny Manziel was another huge name that was hard. I mean, I don't want to call him a bust, but he had the potential to be like the next Randy Moss, the next Jerry Rice. But he kept failing drug tests alongside Johnny Manziel. It was Johnny and Josh, man. Yeah. I mean, they need to come out a documentary called Johnny and Josh. You know, I'm talking about Josh Gordon. Right. Yeah. Man, these two, man. This is like when you look at them. Johnny Menzel had them, like in the words of Junior Soprano, he had the makings of a, of a varsity athlete. But he didn't have the markings of a professional athlete, like you said, John. He just didn't. He didn't study the tape. He didn't understand the patterns. Josh Gordon, you know, I guess the the anxiety got to him. He had a lot of demons. They both they both had a lot of demons. Mm-hmm. And then they go from Johnny. I call I used to call him Johnny Eight Ball, but they go from Johnny Eight Ball to Baker Mayfield. And then we see how that went. Now they're going from Baker Mayfield to let's hope that Deshaun Watson breaks the pattern, the, the negative pattern of events, man. Yeah, let's hope Deshaun keeps his hands to himself. Man, I know. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, yes, allegedly keeps his hands to himself. And yeah, he doesn't doesn't get called to to too many illegal hands in the face in the face penalties, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Except that the Browns have just had atrocious luck 
with starting quarterbacks since the, since they've returned to the league. Uh, they have not they have not been able to get that good one. Yeah, right. This will be the year, right? Because Sean Watson, he's as good as it gets when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that let's knock on wood. I can't find. I don't have any wood anywhere. But <laughs> I'm knocking on something. But you know, you hope that this is the one. Just get Cleveland over the hump a little bit. Now, they're in probably the toughest division in football because Pittsburgh. You got to see that they're coming out the rearview mirror. Of course, Cincinnati has been the dog of that division. And then Baltimore just locked up uh, Lamar Jackson. So they're going to be in play uh, for a division championship, too. So Cleveland got their hands full this year just in their division alone. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh's got to hope that Kenny Pickett is the answer. Um, they're, yeah. they're rebuilding. Cincinnati, of course, they're the number one team in their, in their division. And, of course, Baltimore, now that, now that they have Lamar, Locked up, they have to uh, try to do something well on on their end. I still say the AFC West is still the best division in football, but the AFC North is probably right behind it. So, all right, uh, we touched on this a little bit um, in our conversation with Coach White about the massive wildfires on Maui and how they've completely destroyed Lahanya and the gym. I say gym. Because really, I've, I've actually been out there. I've been, I did go to the Maui Invitational, I think in 2008, I was out there. So that's my more, that's 15 years ago. Um, when you see it on TV, it's nothing like it actually is. It it's really is a high school gym. Yes, it's, it's within shouting distance of the Pacific Ocean. You go outside, boom, there's the ocean. But it is in essence, uh, it's a high school gym, and just but it's just played such a part in um, college basketball because you think because one of the top tournaments you always think about is the Maui Invitational. Uh, it's right up there. Yes, actually, I think Shamanade is is on the Big Island of Oahu, but the, for whatever reason, they play. Not, not. I'm sorry. The Big Island is actually Hawaii. That's the Big Island, and then there's Oahu, Maui, and then those are the two other islands that people that people know about. Um, but again, that that is one of the more iconic locations of college basketball, and really, it's it's like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a high school gym, but it's now reduced to rubble or burned out because of the. Because these wildfires, hopefully, it won't impact this year's tournament. They'll find somewhere else to go. I assume they'll be able to, uh, but it's just not. It's it's just not going to be the same with the, with this particular building uh, now gone. And of course, we we give our we send our condolences to all the families who have lost uh, lives in the in these fires. I think the latest count is eighty. Uh, and it's going to go higher. Um, it's going to be a while before that island can even start to uh, to come back. But hopefully it will, and um, we'll have another. We'll have some great basketball. And if I'm if I'm the NCAA coaches, I am setting aside a lot of money for wildfire relief because um, 
like I said, it's one of the big events on the island every year. So. So that's Maui. Yeah, Maui is, they're completely unprepared for something that big. I mean, you don't think wildfires and Maui, you don't put those two together. Right. Yeah, it makes you wonder if it was, man, if it was actually man-made. Well, I, I don't know. I do know they were getting heavy winds and that was stoking things. I do know that. Uh, but we'll see, again, we'll see when we'll see what happens. So we got about 10 more minutes here unless we guys do a podcast. Uh, Daniel and I, of course, will be taking on Pace Academy. Their season will open up this Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on the NFHS Network. We're hosting the Golden Bears of Holy Innocence. That should be a good one. The Bears were the number one seed coming out of Region 6 last season. They advanced all the way to the third round before losing to Troop County and did not make the five and did not make the five A of course pace loss to Stevenson. Uh, we won last year 20 to 17, a late Rowan Dutta field goal provided the difference. Um, so hopefully again we saw a lot of that. We saw we saw some good stuff from that team. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, Terrence Keel, their main wideout, he did not play. So that's going to give Holy Innocence a completely different look. And, of course, the uniform numbers, as Coach White told us before we got on air, totally different. So it really – I'm sure I'm sure the Holy Innocence scouts know who everybody was. But they didn't see Terrence Keel. And that's going to uh, – that should – if they know – if uh, Coach Todd Winter knows enough, and I'm sure he will, he's, he's, a, he's a good coach, he knows that Keel is there and will – and they know they have to factor him in into their game plan on Friday night. Part of a uh, very good first week of the Georgia high school season. Of course, the Corky Kell Classic starts on Wednesday. So we've only got a couple more days to go before football that counts in the regular season will be played. Of course, the big issue here, guys, is, of course, the heat. It We reached 100 degrees today. It will probably be 100 degrees on Wednesday. We'll have Hundred degrees. This is where you have to listen to your trainers. Um, you can't afford to get dehydrated. You have to keep with the fluids. Listen to the trainers. Listen to the coaches. Hopefully, they will be um, having your best interest and keep you alive and properly hydrated. Because this heat is no joke. Yeah. 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 It is. I stepped out of it today and uh, picked up dinner for the family. Um, it was incredibly hot, um, and I remember last year how hot it was when we called the Holy Innocent Paint Game, John. Of course, that was an early kick because Holy Innocent doesn't have any light, mm-hmm. so they had to kick that game off at four o'clock. And I can remember how hot it was with us being on the, on the roof of a building. Yes, right. So I remember that, and I was just saying, like, hey. How hot is it down there on the football field? It's hot up here. The pit was extremely sticky up there where we were, man. And, uh, you know, you just want to watch out for the safety of these players. Uh, you know, that's always been, that's been the issue for years and years now, is the heat. It's getting hotter and hotter, especially here in Georgia. And we, we know when we understand and we trust that the coaches all across Georgia uh, are taking uh, extreme 
extreme measures. I'm pretty sure that there are teams that are practicing. I believe all teams, I think they all have a protocol that they have to follow that all teams in the summertime have to practice with no pads. Yes. Uh, just shorts and a shirt and, and, their, and their jersey or whatnot, helmet only. So that's a good, a great start to it. So, uh, yeah, it's dangerous out here, man. And, you know, just if any of you high school athletes or future high school athletes or any athletes in general, listen, stay hydrated. The, the heat is no joke. It is absolutely no joke at all. And uh, looking at the long-range forecast, it says 91 degrees on this Friday for uh, our temperature. So, again, it's still six days out, so uh, I can guarantee it's going to change. And, of course, we, we do have the pop-up thunderstorms, which will always place havoc uh, with Georgia. So we got that. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Falcons host the Bengals this weekend uh, as part of the – preseason doubt we'll see Joe Burrow we probably wondering because he's got that calf injury and that's the and that's another interesting thing with Cincinnati guys uh they have Joe Burrow he's strained his calf in one of the first workouts and that is a very difficult muscle to come back from you have to wait until it's absolutely 100% so it looks like the Browns I'm sorry the Bengals will not use Joe Burrow at all in the in the regular in the preseason hopefully he'll be back and ready for them in their week one matchup so you know again we're, you're gonna go see you're gonna see uh this week again hopefully falcons will use some of their number one players but if you're there but if you go to this game you want to see joe burrow well you're not gonna see him he's not he's not gonna play And that's a. Yeah, but like I said, hopefully this doesn't linger too far into the regular season. Like I said, those, those, those injuries are a big suffering. And of course, the Bengals start off at Cleveland week one, part of a lot of uh, big divisional matchups. I think every, divi every division has each one matchup uh, on the week one slate. For instance, the Falcons host Carolina, Jacksonville, Indiana, Indianapolis. Uh, let's see, Green Bay, Chicago, mentioned that already. Las Vegas and Denver, Buffalo and the Jets and Dallas and New York Giants. So, again, every division will have at least one um, interdivisional matchup, Bengals-Browns. And, of course, that's going to be a big one because, again, really, we always hear about how, how after week two, we know who's going to go into the playoffs and who's not. And that's why quick start is important. And I know the Bengals don't want to be without Joe Burrow for any length of time here in this in this season. Because he is pretty That's why it's important to sit him out. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we know he's a starter. You know, so what Zach Taylor, I'm pretty sure, is focusing on is who's the backup. You know, and, and that's really all he needs to focus on. I, I think Joe needs to rest that calf muscle. And get ready for Cleveland because, like you said, John, they're jumping right out of the gate, and they're going to need him uh, for those runs, especially like towards the end where they have to see Kansas City and they have to see Baltimore. So they 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 have to be ready uh, for big games like this because they're going to see they're going to see Buffalo, they're going to see Baltimore twice, they're going to see Pittsburgh twice. 
they're going to see Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Right? They're going to see Jacksonville. Jacksonville won the division. Yep. So they're going to see a lot of the top games, and they need Joe Cool, man. They need him. They, they need him. He has been, you know, we talk about Mahomes and Allen and Kurt, but that kid Burrow, man, like, he doesn't get enough recognition. No, he doesn't. He, he to me, is, is top three. Mm-hmm. Top three quarterback. He, Mahomes is one to me, but you can argue that Burrow is right behind him. And of course, well, the thing of it is, remember what happened to San Francisco last year in the NFC Championship game, where Brock Purdy went down, his backup went down, and San Francisco really had no one else to play quarterback. So I think that's the league is making it easier for teams to have to stash that emergency quarterback somewhere so that a situation like that doesn't um, rematerialize. That's why I think the Falcons will hang on to be able to hang on to Logan Woodside as that third quarterback. He'll just be stashed somewhere, uh, not count against the roster, but be there in case something happens to Heineke and Ritter in the same game. They just want to avoid it. Okay. Uh, with the Chargers, is it is it their turn to take over the AFC West? Uh, then how do you feel about that? Like, where where is your percentage at in terms of that, sir? And Justin Herbert, right now, I, I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, when you said like the top quarterbacks, you didn't you didn't name my guy. I was like, uh, but then again, he has my guy has a felony on his record. Mm. He has to get expunged. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that's 27-7. 27-0, yeah. 27-0, yeah, that's a felony, man. Like, you can't, that can't happen. Yep. So, so yeah, so that, that automatically puts him behind Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't have something like that on your resume. Yeah, so he needs a little, he needs a little redemption. Yeah, especially with the type of team that we put around him. I mean, we, he had the running back. Get to the Super Bowl, 
You know, I'm talking about those, you know, outside 2010. Correct. But the Green Bay Packers has always been in the conversation. And that's what I want to see out of Justin Herbert. I want to see deep runs. So, yeah. All right, we'll see if one of those deep runs comes this season. And we'll talk more about the NFL season next week on the Last Three Guys Drew podcast. I want to thank our guest, Sharman White, head, men's, head boys basketball coach, Pace Academy, for joining us, talking a little basketball both in Georgia and with the under-16 and under-17 teams. Uh, thank you. And I want to thank you, the listener, for all your continued support. And you can get us on, on uh, Apple iTunes, Odyssey, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast locations. I'm John Morgo for Daniel and Leon. We'll see you next week where we'll break down Pace's game with Holy Innocence and look ahead to next week against Westminster. We'll also count down to week zero in the college football uh, environment. So until next week, thank you so much for listening. This has been The Last Three Guys to Do a Podcast.